Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. We're going to talk about Oscar today, Hollywood's big night, who the gold statue went home with, who he didn't, and also who didn't even get to the big ceremony this year. Then we're going to talk about efforts to be sure that everyone understands the insurance changes that are beginning to take effect right here in Michigan. That's all next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. goes to, we heard that over and over last night as Hollywood had the 92nd Academy Awards. It's big, big night each year. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you joined. Last night was one to remember, especially for Parasite, which was winner of Best Picture, Best Foreign Language Film, which is now called Best International Film, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay. There were also a couple of Detroit shout-outs during the ceremony. What did you think of the show? Who do you think deserved Best Picture? Do you agree with the big award of the night going to Parasite? Later in the show, we're going to talk about when the auto insurance overhaul goes to into effect here in Michigan. But first, we are digging into the big wins, the standout moments, and the snubs with Detroit News film critic Adam Graham. Adam, welcome back. Thank Detroit you for having Today. me on. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited so, to break this down. It was an interesting show last it night. It was a really interesting show. Yeah, it was. I, it, it, for the first time in several years, I had real feelings, real emotion about uh, about all of the categories mm-hmm. and all of the winners. Now, it helped this year that I had seen all of the winners. I, had, I There's no film that actually got an award that I didn't see last Makes night. Makes it more so, fun, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, and so I, I, I had real rooting interest in, in the outcomes. I thought that uh, I thought it would be close, that, that, that there were several films that deserved Best Picture. There were several actors and actresses who deserved statues as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what was your rooting interest going into some of the big ones? So, Best Picture, I thought I thought Parasite might win, but mm-hmm. if it didn't, I thought Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood would probably get it because it was such a sort of love letter to Hollywood. Hollywood and I thought tale. They might they might really embrace that. I th- I, I saw nineteen seventeen very late. And it's like, oh, I saw it this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really wonderfully shot. I thought it was a really riveting film. I didn't think it would get Best Picture, which I think it was probably one of the favorites. Yeah, it was the, the favorite going into the show just because it had won so many of the predictive awards. Um, and it seemed like that's where the momentum was. But there was always this kind of underdog current going on with Parasite, which was second in a sense. If things were going to go differently, it was going to go to Parasite. And that's what you saw last night, kind of, and you saw the tide going that way throughout the entire show. Um, And when you, in the clip that you played, um, you couldn't, you can't hear the pause that Jane Fonda took, but it was kind of like a deep breath, here we go. Mm -hmm. And then when they announced Parasite, you got a roar from the audience. And I think that all kind of um, was emblematic of the changing tide of of the show last night. Hmm. Um, it It was a show that was what I felt kind of course correcting in the uh, the reaction to the nominations where it was a lot of blowback because of the lack of diversity. Yeah. And they kind of really took that to heart this year more than on a surface level when they might have in the past. I felt like last night was kind of um, 
it was almost a roast of the Oscars um, in the way that there was a lot of pushback from the stage against the lack of female directing nominees, the lack of any people of color other than Cynthia uh, Erivo mm-hmm. um, in the acting nominees. And you saw in, in, the, in the presenters that they brought out in the kind of the different clips packages, the way that the show was built was um, answering some of those some of those criticisms and i think that the tide of of support for parasite really spoke to like this this was the outsider and this signals a different kind of hollywood and this is what we're throwing our weight behind this year uh had 1917 won won the best picture oscar you wouldn't have heard groans but the nation, or at least in the viewing audience, would have felt groans because that is seen as kind of the stodgy, old school, <laughs> um, you know, Hollywood favorite, the kind of movie that does win Best Picture. And Parasite is not the kind of movie that wins Best Picture, really not isn't. only because it's foreign language and it's the first foreign language film to ever win, but it's it's an ed- it's the edgiest film by far of of the nominees. Um, it was the second lowest grossing of the nominees, which mm-hmm. is interesting in a different way um you know we're we're well past the point of oscars rewarding popular films uh for best picture you have to go back to argo in 2012 to find a best picture winner that made over 100 million dollars at the box office Mm. and there was five nominees of the best pictures uh, best picture nominees last night that made over 100 million dollars parasites only made about 35 million dollars which is great for a foreign film but for a best picture winner no way so it's it's in and this is at a time when hollywood's facing all this competition from netflix um where's the relevancy when you talk to people it's not what movie have you seen lately it's what show are you watching that's where the juice is nowadays and so i don't know that's a lot of that's kind of all everything that was swimming through my head last night while i was watching the show is basic basically this changing tide um that that parasite kind of rode the wave of last night and i think it's i, I don't think it's a one and done i think that this carries over to next year and you're going to see a different pool of nominees huh. and you're going to see a kind of different type of show going forward nothing last night outside of the opening number when you had dancing jokers on stage uh, and it was really awkward. That was old. That was old Oscars. But even it was Janelle Monet, which yeah. is pretty, a pretty cool choice if you're going to have a bad opening. <laughs> but then from that on, it was a different kind of show. Uh, and it just unfolded in a different way than, than we've really seen the Oscars play out before. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little more about Parasite and the significance of this win, which I think is, is true on multiple levels. One yes. is you point out is that it's a movie that's not in English. I mean, right. That's, that's maybe the, the most glaring difference about that film and that it was made uh, in another country. But the subject matter mm-hmm. of Parasite, I thought, also is so powerful mm-hmm. and has such such relevance not only in Korea, where it was made, but also here. And I thought Absolutely. that the filmmaker did such a wonderful job of telling that story in a way that it could resonate in every country that has this struggle with income inequality. And and I, I, I don't remember a best picture winner that made me feel quite that 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 same way. That, that that sort of broad appeal, global appeal of the narrative, I thought was one of the things that really stood out. Yeah, you know, Roma was nominated for Best Picture a year ago yes. and it was also a foreign language film. Um but had nowhere near the kind of uh commentary, the the scathing commentary on society uh in economic disparity that Parasite does. So I think it's not just that we're going to throw an throw our might behind this thing because it's different. Um, Parasite earned that award because it's an extremely well-made film, and it's in, in like you said, it speaks to it speaks to the economic disparity in America just as much as it does in South Korea, just as much as it does all over the world. I mean, this is this is a kind of rising tide thing that's happening across the world. You know, the one percenters, etc. And it. Um, it, it, it paints the, the movie. It, 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 Parasite's a kind of movie that you don't want to tell anyone about because you want it to unfold as a surprise as you see it. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen any other movie that's kind of been discussed that way um, 
the way that Parasite has been when people are just like, don't watch a trailer. Mm. Um, don't talk to anybody about it. Just go see it, <laughs> go see and, it. And, and, and take the ride. Uh, but yes, it, it, it speaks to a lot of um, themes as to, as to what's happening today. And that in Bong Joon-ho um, has been a kind of uh, cult filmmaker. And in, in, in a couple of years ago, he did Snowpiercer, which also kind of, it was a train, it was a big train ride that was a metaphor for the classes. So he's always kind of, uh, he's always kind of got down and dirty with, with, with metaphors in his films. Um, but yes, very interesting the way that this movie takes on those themes and, and presents them. And it, you know, kind of like uh, you know Gosford Park or Downton Abbey in a sense, with the the upstairs downstairs uh, and the and the way that plays out as a kind of a, a mm-hmm. statement on the classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guest is Adam Graham. He's a reporter and film critic for the Detroit News. We're talking about last night's ninety second Academy Awards celebration and ceremony. Uh, talking about who won and who didn't. Talking about uh, the films that were maybe not included among the nominees and what that meant. Uh, in a little bit, we're also going to talk about the Detroit moments that came up during the ceremony. We want to hear from you as well. What did you think of the ceremonies last night? What did you think of the winners? What did you think of the films that came out last year? I think there was a really different crop of films uh, among the nominees this year, among some of the performances. Uh, what did you take away from all of that? As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313 1019, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. In particular, I wonder what people are making of some of the backlash I've seen on social media to the movie Parasite winning Best Picture. I've heard a lot of people say, well, this is not okay that a movie that's in another language is best film, that a movie made in another country is best picture. This is the first time that has happened. Um, what do you think of that? Is that okay? Is that uh, growth for the Academy Awards? Or do you think, as, as someone said that I saw on Twitter, that this is a sign of the decline of our own American culture? As Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Adam, I want to talk about best actor and actress, which I also was really um, uh, not surprised, I think, by by the wins, but I think they're they're unorthodox, or at least best actor is uh, Joaquin Phoenix in Joker is is uh, impossible to take your eyes off when you're yes. watching that film, but it's not just mesmerized. It's not just that you're mesmerized; it's that you're horrified. Yeah, and I think that that always ignites a little controversy. It's difficult. I think, to decide how to reward that kind of performance because it's so disturbing. And yet, there hasn't been really an award he hasn't won this season. Yeah, he 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 waltzed through. He did the Joker dance down those stairs <laughs> uh, the all the way through award season. Um, I don't think you would have seen that had... Joker unfolded the way that many thought that it was going to when it debuted in the fall. If you dial back to October, everyone was scared of mass shootings at these showings. Mm-hmm. Um, thank heavens to the nines that this did not play out this way. But that was the narrative going in. And after a couple weeks in theaters, you saw that Okay, maybe it, maybe this is one example where we're not as awful as a people where we thought we would be. And then people kind of um, I, I, even that first weekend that Joker was in theater, you remember people were afraid to go. Mm. This is not the kind of movie I'm not. I don't want to see this uh, in theaters. I'm scared to see this mm-hmm. in theaters. Um, nothing happened, thankfully. And then over the it, the movie did huge yeah. box office. I think it made three hundred fifty, four hundred million dollars. And that performance was so transformative, uh, both physically and emotionally for him. And it was a really haunting performance. And that performance is the movie. Mm. Um, I saw that movie in Toronto at the film festival. And that's a week when I saw 25 movies in over the course of seven days. It's just an onslaught of content coming at your eyeballs. But leaving that, Joker stood out far and above and, and, and disturbed me uh, <laughs> and stuck with me in a way um, 
that really spoke to its power as a film and especially that performance. Um, so I don't really think that there were, it's Adam driver was so good in marriage story and he wasn't even in the conversation. This was all Joaquin. Yeah. This was all Joker. And he, um, he's an interesting guy. You know, he was, he, you can tell like when you've got a live microphone in front of you and you're about to say some stuff that's uncomfortable. And he was kind of twitching last <laughs> night because he was, you know, going into the spiel about inseminating cows or his, you know, he's a very staunch vegan and he wants to, you know, speak about those issues. Um, but it was an interesting speech. Uh, he gave a shout out to, uh, his brother River Phoenix, and you can tell that he got emotional during that. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not mention Heath Ledger. I thought that was interesting. Um, he left. That he out. did in a, in a couple other speeches on during this award season. I think it was a case of nerves. I think mm-hmm. it was he probably wanted to dedicate it to Heath Ledger in a sense, but I think he had so much going through his mind, and he was getting out things. It was a real it was a real person on stage speaking. Uh, Renee Zellweger, when she won for Judy, gave a really really nice speech, but that was much more. More rehearsed. It was. That was much more, um, you know, going over the lines that I, re- I practiced this in my in the mirror heading up to uh, uh, leading up to the show. Uh, it, it felt like Joaquin Phoenix was coming off top, and that made for a uh, that made for a real moment and an interesting moment. Yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Let's start with Jimmy in Birmingham. Jimmy, what's on your mind? Good morning, and hey. thank you for the show. I love your show. Sure, thank you. Well, not very profound, but I really uh, enjoyed seeing Elvis Mitchell uh, giving his views on the movies. And uh, here's somebody born in Highland Park, Wayne State graduate, yep. uh, making the big time in Hollywood. <laughs> That's you know, right. It seems to me maybe he's a little more mellow than he used to be years ago when he was on uh, – 101.9. Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, I am a huge Elvis Mitchell fan, uh, Jimmy, and we are working real hard, actually, to try to get him to come in here and talk <laughs> with us sometime when he's here in Detroit. So so stay tuned. I'm sure that will happen at some point, but uh, but that's great. And that, that gives us a chance to talk about maybe the Detroit moment yes. that happened during uh, during the through Oscars. My, through my night through a loop. <laughs> right? right? <laughs> uh, I, I want to play just a little sound to, to go with this. This is Chris Rock talking about uh, talking about uh, Ford versus Ferrari <laughs> <laughs> and talking about our auto industry in a way that I'm not sure Ford executives would have been excited about. Let's listen to what he said. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari is nominated. Uh, I gotta tell you, I got a Ford, I got a Ferrari. It ain't even close. <laughs> that's like that's like Halle Berry versus gum disease. <laughs> I thought my what popped into my mind at that moment was Bill Ford and what was on his face as he might have been watching. Yeah. Uh, it's all in good. It's all. In I good think fun. he laughed. Yeah. It was a great line. Yeah. It was a great line. <laughs> it was. And I that's the, that's one of the movies that I hadn't seen, and I was worried that it was going to win. I'd feel left out. No. Uh, but but I want to see it because of course it's it's about Detroit. It's about our real industry. quick. Ford vs Ferrari is a really really well made movie and it just it just moves it just moves it moves right along like like a well bit like a well-built you know race car yeah yeah yeah, very cool uh let's also of course listen to eminem our own eminem in his surprise performance of lose yourself last night There's vomit on a sweater already Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous But on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop palms But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down The whole crowd goes so loud so I was I was really excited to see Eminem come out and sing that song last night But I was also puzzled like lots of other people were I was like, well, why is he doing this? But then I thought, well... This was after a montage about the importance of music and defining our memories about film. And the song says, you know, lose yourself in the music. So maybe that was the connection they were thinking of. What was interesting was um, it it followed this montage of great songs that we remember in movies. 
And uh, they were lingering on Eminem a little bit longer than the rest of the clips. And I was like, he's going to come out. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way he's coming out. And I'm like, he's coming out. He's coming out. And then he does the song. <laughs> What's interesting was when, when Lose Yourself won the uh, one for best original song in 2002, Eminem wasn't there. Um, he skipped the ceremony. He was, you know, top of the world Eminem. And he was like, you know, that corporate award show or whatever he he was sleeping he mm-hmm. slept through the award show he said it in an interview later um he sent out louis resto his uh his producer uh to accept the award on his yeah, behalf he came that. up in a sport coat with a pistons jersey underneath it was an awkward moment <laughs> um but so this was his first time at the oscars and it was almost like uh maybe maybe c- completing that circle for him where he 18 years later comes out on stage and performs lose yourself um, but it was a surprise performance. It was kind of interesting. I like the uh, I like the live vocals. Clearly, a little bit out of breath, yeah. but it was real. Um, and I think that we were a little bit more excited in town than <laughs> around the country when people were really scratching They're their like, heads, being like, "Why are we listening to this song from 2002?" Um, but it, it was it was a fun performance. And like, look, you, you don't get M live that often yeah. on stuff like this, no, so it, it made for a cool moment. So so. The montage before it, I thought, was so great because yeah. I I just love uh, movie music. I just really I really relate to films through the songs that that define them. And I thought that they were working up to the song that defined film, the maybe for the very first time, and I think the one that did it the best, which would have been Judy Garland climbing that fence and singing somewhere over the rainbow. Yes. And I thought, well, given that Renee Zellweger was nominated for that film anyway, what what a perfect what a perfect way to have done that. And then Eminem came out and so I was just <laughs> a little confused there. Uh, as a producer, your your idea may have worked better. <laughs> People would have gotten show. it more. Yeah, it would have made more sense in the narrative of the year. Uh, that's not quite what happened. Yeah. Um, but I look Writing for the Detroit News, I immediately, I, scram- I started scrambling immediately. I had to write a story. Yeah, of I course. was like, I was like, <laughs> now I'm, I'm watching the show. I'm writing a story live. It was just, it, it's like right. this is not the thing I needed tonight. It's the story we've all written a million times. <laughs> yes. Local boy does good. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> all right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna continue talking about last night's Oscar ceremonies. We're gonna talk a little more about films that didn't get nominated and why they were left out. We also want to continue to hear from you. 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and leave comments, and we'll work you in. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Adam Graham. He is the film critic for the Detroit News, and we're talking about last night's Oscar ceremony, the people who won, the people who didn't, the films that were recognized, what that means both in Hollywood and for our culture, and we're going to talk in a little bit about things that were left out, people who were left out, and what that means about movies and our culture. We always want to hear from you as well. Uh, Do you watch awards shows in general? And did you watch the Oscars last night? If not, tell us why. Do you feel like the Academy Awards is representative of the best in film? Or is it kind of skewed? Is it kind of antiquated? Who got snubbed, in your opinion, last night? And what do you think could be done to overhaul the show to make it more representative of everyone in the industry? Or did you think that the industry went out of its way last night to make it look more representative than maybe the awards crop was this year. As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll work you into the conversation. Also, a little later in the show, we're going to have Chad Livengood, who is the senior editor at Crane's Detroit Business with us to talk about the insurance changes that are coming. We did pass insurance reform in the state last year. There are a lot of things coming. I'm not sure everyone is paying attention to all of the changes that are about to happen. Chad will walk us through those and explain them. But Adam, I'm going to get back to the Oscars. Let's talk about movies that were snubbed. And here I actually have uh, a real a real issue. Uh, 
I saw the movie Uncut Gems in December, and I thought immediately that was an Oscar performance Mm -hmm. by Adam Sandler, Oscar-worthy performance, and that that movie was worthy of some recognition. And I was surprised that it didn't get that nod at all. Uh, Lots of other people were surprised that movies like Hustlers, The Lighthouse, uh, and Waves did not get nominations. Uh, Talk about how they make these decisions and what it means when they shut films that lots of people think are very high quality out of the running. Well, this is the kind of changing tide that I think perhaps next year, um, after seeing what happened this year, you'll get those movies will have a better shot. And through leading up to nominations, I mean, Jennifer Lopez and Hustler had been in all, you know, had been in the conversation, had been in, in a lot of the the, the predictive um, awards categories uh, for different shows, Golden Globes, et cetera. Um, and I, I think that if, if we're really on the precipice of change in Hollywood, which you never really know, um, you'll see those movies will have a better shot next year. Hmm. Um, Uncut Gems, I thought, was way too frantic for it to be embraced by the Academy, which tends to, whether uh, correctly or not, tends to have the the view of being older and maybe perhaps, you know, people hanging around Hollywood for a long time that still get the ballots in the mail. Um, Uncut Gems is a movie that just makes you feel crazy. It makes you feel like you're going crazy. It does. Um, And I think Adam Sandler, because of the baggage that Sandler has, had an extra hill to climb in order to get that nomination. I wasn't surprised when he didn't get it. If I was going to swap out somebody for somebody else last night, somebody Mm -hmm. that was perceived as snubbed and somebody that was there for the ride, I would have taken Jonathan Price in the two popes out of the best actor category. And I would have put in Eddie Murphy in Dolomite is my name. Hmm. Um, hilarious film reminded you how good Eddie Murphy can be when Eddie Murphy is dialed in. And Chris Rock had a great joke last night about, um, about where was Eddie Murphy <laughs> right, he's um, under the stage. Is he under the stage? <laughs> uh, and I think that, you know, when, when you, when you look at the, the mostly white nominees, um, Eddie Murphy is somebody who I think legit got snubbed out mm. of that last night. Mm. And uh, it, it's it's a shame because I, I just think that his presence throughout awards season would have would have been so lively. And we're on this kind of Eddie Murphy comeback trail yeah. right now. Yeah. He was great on SNL. People are starting to embrace. And he's, more importantly, he's starting to embrace the machine again. Um, I, I would have loved to have seen him in the mix. J-Lo, I, I don't know if I was surprised that J-Lo didn't get nominated for Hustlers. Hustlers, I, I didn't think Hustlers was a great movie. I thought Hustlers was that movie, movie I didn't see. Okay, yeah. I, I, you know if if you if you watch it with the kind of what you've heard about it since, um, I think you might say, okay, I see why that didn't get nominated. Hmm. It wasn't quite there. Right? Although although Jennifer Lopez is a knockout in it, and what she does in that movie is she finally embraces her J Lo ness. She <laughs> she's usually in these movies she plays some like downtrodden, um, put upon single mother or something who's just trying to find herself. Hustler allows her to be J-Lo like this boss woman and um, that's the best part about that movie is maybe she can now take on J-Lo roles rather than you know Made in Manhattan or you know Second Act where she's just a a spunky kid from New York who's trying to catch a piece of the pie Um, yeah that that, those are the kind of uh, so so yes. the, the the thing that I thought also made the case maybe for Hustlers and Uncut Gems to be part of the awards season this year, and maybe not, maybe both of them couldn't have been nominated for Oscars alongside Parasite. But I think if you take Parasite, Hustlers, and Uncut Gems together, mm-hmm. there is a really strong theme there about class inequality, A, mm-hmm. but B, also the extraordinary lengths to which people who feel like they are on the wrong end of that class inequality feel like they have to go. I mean, if you think mm-hmm. about in each of those cases, you you have these incredible risks being taken and incredible measures being, being indulged just to get ahead or just to get to the place that you think somebody else is or that you deserve. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a powerful theme in the culture. I thought it would get more attention 
from the awards from the awards people. I, I think what you have right now is that push pull between old and new. Um, the the movies you're talking about and the themes you're talking about are certainly more relevant than those presented in Ford versus Ferrari, which is a movie that takes place in the six in the sixties, which is just about cars. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no real uh, connection to today. There's no um, commentary on class and society. And that's what I think a, a win for Parasite and the way that the movie played out or the way that the show played out last night um, could signal in years to come a more relevant class of movies being nominated for that top prize. Even something like 1917, which is technically amazing. Uh, yes. What they did with that movie, the way they put you in World War One, stunning. Does it have any real relevancy to today? Could 1917 have been made, you know, technology gimmicks aside, 10 years ago, 13 years ago, 20 years ago? Absolutely. There's nothing about that movie that says today, now, these these are our lives where the movies that you're talking about absolutely speak to those themes um so i think you just have a a case of old class dying out Mm. new class taking over and hopefully that's the kind of direction that you're going to see the oscars go in signaled by last night's show yeah yeah Uh, let's get back to the phones here barry in detroit what's on your mind barry hi hey good morning hey go ahead I was blown away last night by Joaquin Phoenix's speech. Huh. I could not stop crying. Did you guys catch him? Absolutely. We did. What it was, was reminiscent it? of Lincoln, Martin Luther King, and Kennedy. I could not stop crying, and it's exactly what the country needs to hear. Huh. Uh, and it, go ahead, Barry. That's all I have to say. I, I, yeah. I mean, I woke up this morning, and I watched it four or five more times, and I sent it all over Twitter and Facebook. So, so Barry, can you country, pardon me? Can you tell me more about what about his speech moved you so much? He spoke about man's inhumanity to man, the planet, everything that's going on, every every pertinent issue that that, that real people care about. He touched on, mm. and I just thought it was so relative, so relevant, and um, it's exactly what we needed to hear. I mean, he spoke about power craze being power crazed that that he's that he's no better than anybody else we're all the same and um i mean i can't remember everything he said yeah but it was it was a great speech on humanity well well barry i'm glad i'm glad it moved you that that much and that says a lot for joaquin uh, phoenix and and the speech he gave i i didn't feel all of those things but i did feel because of the performance that got him the award, that um, the, the, I, I did feel that, that there was some sort of power to what he was saying because of that. I mean, I think that's such an impressive performance, such an impressive role, uh, that I was willing to, to, to indulge some of the maybe little wandering that, uh, <laughs> that he did during the speech. Uh, yeah, and he also, um, throughout award season, he's kind of had these different platforms at the different shows when he's, when he's gotten up to the microphone. Golden Globes, he memorably talked about um, stars in private jets, mm-hmm. something that you can easily make a change you know, in that room. Like, you don't need to take a plane to Palm Springs. It's a two-hour drive. Um, at the BAFTAs, he talked about race inequality in Hollywood. Um, so it's cool that he used this platform throughout the season to talk about the issues that were important to him and uh, important to the planet. Mm-hmm. Again, Barry, I'm really glad you enjoyed it as much as you did, and I'm glad you called in. Let's go to Matthew in Livonia. Matthew, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Hey. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I, I actually will say that I am someone who did not watch the award ceremony. Um, it wasn't out of protest or, or any uh, uh, you know, more high-minded thing like that. Um, they, award ceremonies have become kind of a non-issue in, the, in, in, in my life. I used to watch them, but nowadays everything that I watch is usually 
a streaming service, a download service. Oh. So I, I actually, I didn't even know the Oscars had happened until listening to your show this morning. Wow. Um, I, I, and in fact, I will probably see all these movies that you guys have been talking about. Um, I haven't seen almost all of them yet because they're not out on, you know, DVD, so to speak. And I don't go out <laughs> to movies at the movie theater anymore. But I will say there is one that I actually did watch that you gentlemen have talked about, and that's Dolomite. I love that movie. Yeah, it's very funny. Again, it's on a streaming service. <laughs> that's so on a streaming service. It's up yeah. your alley. So, so that's a really interesting point. Matthew, I'm glad you called. The idea that everyone watches – streaming rather than live television. Now, I have a combination of the two. I mm-hmm. only watch streaming services, but I've got live TV through Hulu, and so I was able to watch the Oscars. But I miss a lot of things, too, that get broadcast on the networks because I don't I don't see them anymore. I just don't even know about them. Yeah, and, and what he was talking about is, is the great debate in Hollywood right now and the kind of thing that wasn't spoken about on last night's show. You can make all these changes to the show itself, but people aren't going to the movies. People aren't going to the movies in near the numbers that they used to. And you and, and you put something on, like Dolomite is my name comes to Netflix. Marriage Story was on Netflix. The Irishman's on Netflix. The Two Popes is on Netflix. That's that's where the juice is. Um and and that's 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 the struggle that that Hollywood has to face going forward is just the changing tide in um in audience uh, behaviors, they're not going to the theaters. They're watching things on streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, something like Cheer on Netflix probably had uh, more people watch that in the last month than saw Parasite in theaters. Um, that's that's where the real fight is. Is is to the struggle for eyeballs. Um, next year, two years from now, five years from now, are all the best picture nominees going to be Netflix? This this push pull that's going on, this fight that's going on, is that going to be settled? Soon? And we're just going to decide that, look, Netflix is a good thing. And this is where we need this is where we need to be because that's where the eyeballs are. Mm-hmm. The eyeballs aren't going back to the theaters. Right. So it's it's a matter of how how Hollywood is going to embrace or fight against the the change, the, the thing that's already happening and has already happened. You're talking about you didn't even know the Oscars were last night. Mm. That's real. Right. Right. Okay, Adam Graham, film critic for the Detroit News. It is always great. Hey, to have thank you. Here. you. It was fun. Yeah, I'm gonna get back to the movies. I gotta see the ones I missed. Yes. <laughs> All right. Up next, we're gonna talk about what is going on with Michigan's new auto insurance law and how you can make sure you do what you need to do to see savings on your bill starting this summer. Stay with us on Detroit today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. It has been nine months since Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed historic legislation to overhaul auto insurance here in Michigan. It'll be another few months before those changes take full effect and people start seeing changes on their insurance bills. But the benefits aren't all automatic. So efforts are underway to educate people and ensure uh, that they know about the new law and how they can take full advantage. Joining us now to talk more about what the changes are and what we might all need to do to make sure that we are taking advantage is Chad Livengood. He is a senior editor at Crane's Detroit Business. Chad, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah. So let's talk about the rollout first of this insurance reform how is that going to happen? When is that going to happen? And how quickly do people need to get themselves up to speed? Yeah, for consumers, the overriding major change here is that for the first time since no fault law went on the books in 1973, uh, consumers will be able to opt out of buying unlimited 
personal protection, uh, known as PIP, which is the medical coverage uh, for if you're injured in an accident, it covers your hospital bills, your rehabilitation, it also covers lost wages and uh, modifications to your home for you if you were catastrophically injured. Uh, and so this, this is a big change where uh, uh, motorists are going to be able to buy different levels. They'll either be able to buy unlimited still, uh, $500,000 of coverage, $250,000 of, of PIP coverage, and $50,000 of PIP coverage for some people on Medicaid. And that's, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, confusing if you're, if you're going to get that $50,000 coverage, you have to live with someone who also already has uh, coverage through their own personal health care. So it's going to be limited to certain, certain households, but the big one is going to be $250,000 and $500,000 or just just opt out completely, and the opt out completely um, provision uh, says essentially that you have to have a private health insurance that covers uh, uh, auto injuries, or you can have a government health insurance. So most Medicare is supposed to cover auto injuries, so it will allow a lot of seniors to opt out of, of paying the PIP portion of their insurance completely. And for some places, particularly in Metro Detroit. Uh, PIP can be 50 to 75% of your entire auto insurance bill. So, and it's really, it's really the single main uh, aspect that has driven up auto insurance rates over the last decade. So if you do opt out though, there are potential consequences. There are potential downsides. And this is what the arguments about this legislation were about when we were doing this last year. Yeah. So, so most um, uh, employers that have a health uh, provision in their health insurance that will cover auto injuries, it's it's not the same as what um, your auto insurance PIP coverage covered. So for example, if you were in a car accident and you broke your leg and you um, uh, could not uh, uh, be working construction uh, for the next uh, year or so. PIP would cover lost wages. That uh, the your health insurance doesn't cover that. Um, there may be some other ways that uh, you get short-term disability through your employer, but uh, but PIP uh, that your health insurance is not going to cover that. It's just going to cover the broken bone and and the rehabilitation. So there are major differences, and this is what uh, uh, if you're a human resources benefits manager at a company in Michigan right now, this is these folks are are wrestling with trying to be able to explain this to their. Uh, to their um, uh, employees that we, yes, we will cover your auto injuries. You can you can opt out. Here's how you can do it. Uh, they have to kind of create a communication plan to be able to give basically a piece of paper to every employee and says so they can take that to their auto insurance uh, agent. And auto insurance agents are not looking forward to this uh, because this is going to be, this is going to become very very cumbersome for them to be able to give. Um, uh, discounts or to give just quotes basically over the phone. They're going to have to have um, a firm piece of paper in their hands that says this person does have health insurance because the fear is that if you don't have that backstop, that if you're in a, a bad act, car accident and you do sustain bad injuries, there, there's there's a fear that people will be underinsured all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas in the past, there's been an argument that Michigan motorists have been overinsured, uh, that uh, particularly seniors, that, uh, that that was one of the arguments to sell this that Mayor Mike Duggan made is that uh, seniors were paying double, um, and, and that we can argue uh, the uh, the facts, facts and accuracy of that, but that, that was a real big selling point in the legislature to let people start uh, uh, shedding this this uh, this form of insurance. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the efforts to make sure people know what they're supposed to know. Who's who's doing that? So the uh, the State Department of Insurance and Financial Services um, is the regulator of auto insurance in Michigan. They have created a new website. It's michigan.gov forward slash auto insurance. And it is basically kind of a well, you know a basic basic consumer uh, information uh, about how to choose, choosing different levels of coverage, uh, understanding you know what the, what the law does. Um, it, it gives you some also some some you know avenues to file complaints against insurers or other of uh, in in businesses that are that um, uh, taking auto insurance for for accidents and and so it's 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 the the basic uh, effort there is an effort underway to have some kind of a television campaign a public education campaign from the state that that seems a little you know not 
not uh, firm yet. Uh, the, the Michigan Health and Hospital Association is also doing its own public education campaign, but they've said it's going to be limited to basically says social media. Um, as as one executive at uh, at that association for hospitals said to me, um, it's an election year. TV is kind of expensive, um, and if you are paying attention to uh, to to uh, TV right now, you know, with Michael Bloomberg you know, taking up a lot of your airwaves, uh, that is that is definitely a, a, a problem and a reality. And so, uh, and there's not a lot of time here as July 1st, this law goes into effect. And so um, there's a lot of effort to try to get ready like from uh, com- from business end, you know, trying to basically adjust their benefits. Some businesses will actually have to change their health insurance plans or or they or their employees will not be able to opt out. Um, so as an example, Quicken Loans um, previously did not cover auto injuries. Uh, it's... Uh, Owner and founder uh, Dan Gilbert uh, um, was one of the leading champions to get this law changed, and at the, and and when they got the law changed and passed, uh, um, his company committed to actually adding auto insurance injury or auto injuries to their healthcare benefit. Um, so there's mid-year changes, and that's that's a little part of the thing that's getting a little dicey here is that most private health insurance and even government health insurance turns over at the beginning of the year. Mm. Uh, we, we, you know, we have open enrollment periods. If you work at get employer sponsored health insurance that start that, that go on in October and November. And now we're, we're changing um, uh, uh, benefits and, and we're changing the structure of one form of health care to another in the middle of the calendar year. And that's going to, that's making it a little bit, uh, uh, complicated. Hmm. Uh, Mayor Mike Duggan says as long as people do certain things, they will see overall reductions in their auto insurance. Is is that really the case? I mean, I, I think that's the thing that's on people's minds in the city, especially that as long as you choose the right options, somehow you will get a break on, on your rates. So it, it, if you don't do anything, if you just stay with unlimited coverage because you want to protect against uh, uh, the you know catastrophic injury, um, you're supposed to get a 10% um, cut in the personal injury protection uh, mm-hmm. portion of your of your pip of your insurance, not the entire bill, but just the pip. But that part. Um, and if you go to five hundred thousand dollars, you're supposed to get a Twenty percent reduction. If you go to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you're supposed to get a thirty-five percent reduction. If you if you qualify to be able to get the fifty thousand dollar coverage, you're supposed to get forty-five percent. So um, I I think uh, for for the mayor when he's looking at a population of people who are driving without insurance, I think the the what he's going to try to go out and talk about is 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 if you can if you have employer health care or you have Medicare. You just need to get car insurance and and opt out of PIP completely, and and it will it will be significant for a lot of Detroiters uh, because the the their rates these four or five thousand dollar car insurance rates um, most of them are very much the majority of the of the of the premium is tied up in personal injury protection. So it, I think it will drive down in the city. I think it's going to be spotty and and it's going to be case by case in mm. the suburbs. Uh, and even some parts of, of rural Michigan, uh, it may be really limited to, because you can go out to kind of rural parts of rural Michigan and pay eight hundred dollars right. um, every every uh, six months for for car insurance, for, uh, whereas you you would you would pay thirty eight hundred dollars uh, if you lived at uh, at Eight Mile and Woodward. Right. One of the other issues, of course, with insurance is is redlining and the the extent to which insurers are just charging based on poverty or race or 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 other factors that that play a role in people's residence where they live there there was a a lot of argument last year about whether this bill addresses redlining does it well we're we're going to find out um so it's supposed to take away all the non-driving factors like education level, I mean, I recall I did a story once about how I just did searches of of, of, a, of a of a female uh, make believe thirty two year old female living at uh, an address in Detroit, and if you gave her a law degree, she had significantly less uh, cost of car insurance versus someone without a high school diploma. So um, th- those those factors are supposed to go away, and the territorial um, uh, factor, which is the real key here. It is. It is not allowing. Um, uh, you're not. They're not allowed to, to make territories by zip code. That's what the law says. But there's a little 
opening here that allows them to make territories differently. Um, and, and so, for example, AAA already has territories based on census tracts, which are multiple census tracts in one zip code. It's basically whole neighborhoods of Detroit are kind of caught up and carved up based on, 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 and that's how their car insurance rates are set. And so, I, and I wrote this piece once about how uh, at, at Mack and Moross on the Gross Point border, uh, within a um, six-block radius, there's like five different car insurance rates for AAA. Um, uh, and, and, and guess what? It's a lot cheaper over in Gross Point Farms um, mm-hmm. than it is over in Detroit. And so um, this is going to be the real test. I mean, it, do, do car insurance companies... Uh, create new territories that are like basically the size of two zip codes combined. Um, do they go to towns, uh, the entire city, uh, one rate? I uh, will be going to watch in this. I, I kind of t- tend to doubt that they're going to make it too much broader. Uh, if they can make smaller territories more compact, but not as um, uh, not as uh, well, I say, I say if they can make bigger territories, not just one zip code. Mm-hmm. I think I think they will try to get get away with that. We're going to see, and, and there's there's um, there's a lot of um, changes at the state level, at the regulatory level, because now for the first time, uh, car insurance companies are going to have to actually get their rates approved. Um, by the state insurance commissioner, and that, and before we were a, a system called file and use, where they literally just file with the state and just start charging it. And now they're actually going to have to wait 90 days uh, to get approval of, uh, or disapproved from the uh, the, the uh, state yeah. insurance and there's commissioner. Some, there's some review of what. And there's doing. some review. They've I just wrote about it last week. They, the 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 um, the state has hired six actuary firms. Um, because before they had one person, uh, one actuary to oversee a multi-billion dollar industry. And now they've hired six companies uh, on contract that are going to be uh, doing this independently. Before, um, it, it was literally left to the insurance companies to basically submit their own in- actuaries um, certification. And we just believed them. Okay, Chad Livengood, Senior Editor of Crane's Detroit Business. Always great to have you here on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow and I hope you will too. We're going to take a look at some of the reasons Michigan is struggling to develop the robust workforce our employers and employees need. And we'll look at a recent report that shows Detroit is near the bottom when it comes to cities people from other areas want to come to. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.